welcome to another unexciting episode of Hashtag Pistons. Um, we are back again today. I am Joe. I am your host. And once again today, I have Kuka Hill with me. Um, we're ready to talk about opening night for the Pistons tonight. And um, we may talk about the games last night a little bit if we have time. And yeah, say hi, Koo. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? <laughs> um... So the main thing we're going to start off with, because this was one that we kind of wanted to to hit on last night, was that, or not last night, but yesterday, was, um, and then also connected to it is just the general rotation questions about the Pistons this year, but um, is sort of the dynamic of Langston Galloway and then also Luke Kennard this year, because, so one of the main things that um, Dwayne Casey said going into preseason was that he really wanted to try and figure out um, his rotation. That was one of the things he was like, you know, this is one of the goals for preseason is to figure out what the rotation he wants is. And um, obviously there is part of it is that Luke Kennard has been, he got hurt a little bit in the offseason, so that may well be a big part of it. But in the rotation in the preseason, Langston Galloway got a lot of minutes, and he appeared generally to be ahead of Luke Kennard in the rotation. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. So what do you think about that, Koo? I mean, uh, you know, I made a little thread earlier uh, in the summer, actually, like a couple weeks ago. Check me out at Kukil NBA if you want to check that out. But I made a thread earlier uh, about Luke Kennard and how when we played him more, like, I think it was, like, when he played 25 to 30 minutes, we had, like, an offensive rating of, like, 110. And, like, generally it was just that when we played him more, we just looked like a way better offensive team. So, like, I was hoping that we played him a lot more heading into the season. I think everybody was. But the thing is, Langston did play extremely well in the preseason. I mean, I have his stats up here. I don't have Luke's. But Langston shot almost 40% from three on almost seven attempts a game. Now, once again, it's the preseason. Can't read too much into it. And it's a very small sample size. But, I mean, Langston was given a chance, and he went out there, he really performed. So, I mean, if Langston's going to go out there and he's going to play like that, I mean, it's hard to say, hey, you shouldn't be playing this guy. But, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he uses both of them. I think it's clear from watching that Langston's at least going to have a shot or, like, the opening crack at the rotation off the bat. Yeah, and I mean, one thing that's worth mentioning in all of this is that um, there should be minutes for both of them, quite frankly. Um, mm -hmm. Dwayne Casey is a big fan of three-guard lineups. Um, he, in particular, really got onto that last year with, um, with yeah, the Raptors. Yeah, we crazy lineup in the preseason already. Yeah, so, and they've, once again, they have did a lot of three-guard lineups already in the preseason. And once again, if we are to believe Dwayne Casey that, you know, even though it is preseason, at the very least, he was trying to work out sort of the rotation that he wanted and, you know, lineup combinations that he was interested in and such, then, you know, if that is all the case, then there's a pretty good chance that that would carry over into the regular season that will you see a lot of three-guard lineups from him. And so if that is, does remain the case, then obviously Galloway will have minutes and Luke Kennard will have minutes. So it's kind of a kind of a moot point at that with that. But the worry would be, um, you know, I like worry maybe too strong a term because the reality is that Luke Kennard and Langston Galloway are both good players. Um, people well, sort of, 
yeah, people sort of crapped on Galloway a lot last year, and I get it. He didn't play very much, and he was paid a lot of money, but the reality is that he basically fell victim to circumstance because, um, you know, base, what, what really killed him was the fact that Reggie Bullock ended up being awesome. Um, mm -hmm. and then Luke Kennard was ready to go out the get-go, and yeah, so I was like, well... Yeah, I think Luke being ready right off the bat and playing as well as he did right off the bat hurt him as well. Yeah, and also, here's another thing with Langston Galloway, is that I feel kind of like a lot of people... I feel like a lot of people misconstrue um, what exactly he was brought in as or brought in for. Because so they signed him somewhat infamously among some members of Pistons fandom. They signed him right on the first day of free agency, right? And yeah. so that was before the Avery Bradley trade, remember? And so I think when they signed him, because it since the after the fact, it became pretty clear that the Pistons were fully aware that Contavious Caldwell Pope was pretty much out the door. Um, they made the offer to him and they just never heard back from him. So I think that they pretty much knew, okay, KCP is going to be out the door. Um, they'd already drafted Luke Kennard, right? The draft is before the free agency, isn't it? Yeah. So they'd yeah. already drafted Luke Kennard. So they were like, okay, we've got our shooting guard. This is a guy we really like. He's the dude of the future. And then they know KCP is leaving. So I think they were like, okay, well, we'll sign Langston Galloway. He's a guy who, he's enough of a veteran that if Luke Kennard needs some time before he's ready to start, Langston Galloway can fill in there, and then, you know, as Luke Kennard gets better and gets more ready to go, then Langston Galloway can move to the bench, and then we've got a solid bench guy. Um, and yeah, then, I think Vince, I think Vince, uh, I don't want to say for sure, bumpers or Vince, and I know Van Gundy talked about how the signing, like, killed two birds with one stone, because... He was able to fill in like the third backup point guard role in case Reggie were to go down, and he was a he can play two guards, so that was like part of a reason as well for bringing him in. Yeah, and obviously the whole Langston at point guard thing really did not <laughs> that didn't really work out. But um, I do I do pretty strongly believe that when they signed him, they primarily saw him as okay, this is a guy who's going to play a lot of shooting guard minutes for us, and then obviously the Avery Bradley trade becomes available, which even though even though Avery Bradley ended up being not that, um, you know, successful for the Pistons. I'm not sure that yeah, there is... I just want to say on the Bradley, I, I, I have to toot my own horn here. I remember after the first couple games last year, I was on Twitter and I was saying, this dude's turned the ball over too much. He's dribbled off his foot too many times for me. He's taking too many long twos. He's looking like Josh Smith. This may not be looking good. And I was told by Duncan Smith, and uh, you can find him at Duncan Smith NBA, but I was told by many, cool, you got to chill out, man. It's this early. And look at that. He was gone before the season even ended. So <laughs> I'm sorry for that. I had to toot my own horn. You go ahead. Yeah, you can toot your own horn about that. Um, yeah, there were – honestly, I'm not sure I can think of a player whose reputation took such a 180 – over the course of one season, as Avery Bradley well, that's what did, happen when you get some you, because with Boston he wasn't given as much role or like a big uh, heavy as a load as he was getting with the Pistons with Van Gundy. I mean that guy was like he was getting a, way more usage here. Yeah, so I mean, you know, we could that could be a whole other honestly that's a whole other conversation yeah. of what exactly happened with him, but 
you know, regardless. So, so the Avery Bradley deal comes out of nowhere, where suddenly, okay, we can get Avery Bradley for Marcus Morris, basically. And actually, they even got a second-round pick back in that, I think, which is kind of funny. But, and once again, even though Avery Bradley didn't really work out for the Pistons, um, at the time, absolutely everybody thought it was an awesome deal, and there were a lot of Celtics fans who were actually really ticked about it, quite frankly. So even though hindsight is twenty twenty, at the time, that yeah. was clearly the right move to make. Um, so they basically said, you know, screw it. We've got a chance to get Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley is awesome. Um, so we're just going to do that, and we'll just have an extra shooting guard this year, I guess. And then, obvi- and then the problem past that was that Reggie Bullock ended up being awesome. So Langston Galloway just kind of got buried. So, you know, basically the... Oh, my goodness, Coop. <laughs> basically, um, the point is that Galloway got buried in the rotation because of really effective play by other guys. Um, so particularly with that in mind, it makes sense that you would use a lot of three-guard lineups. So, um, you know, this isn't some huge knock on Luke Kennard or Langston Galloway or even Dwayne Casey, but there is at least there's a little bit of worry with that because... Um, you know, it would be just another thing that Dwayne Casey paid a lot of lip service to in the offseason, and because he talked a lot about, and in particular, other people in the organization talked about how Casey's going to be this great influence for the younger guys. He's going to be more willing to play the younger guys than Stan Van Gundy was, etc., etc., etc. But Casey has a pretty long history of preferring defense over offense at every opportunity, and and not that Galloway is some really high-level defender, but <laughs> um, he's probably better than Luke Kennard is. And I would not be surprised if Galloway is over top of Kennard in the rotation for most of the season as a result of that. And I'm a little bit worried about that because I think Luke Kennard is... First off, I actually think Luke Kennard's offense outweighs the defense in this case. I think he's better than Langston Galloway but also is the fact that Luke Kennard's one of the young guys with a lot of potential, so I'd like to see him play more. So I mean, we'll see we'll see exactly what ends up happening, but I just, I don't know for sure. Um, if everything goes according to plan, there will be minutes for both of them, so it won't be a big deal, but I don't know. I mean, I can, uh, I can make a comparison here. I kind of thought about this yesterday after we were done with the pod. Um, you know, of course, I'm going to I'm gonna have to take it here, but... It, was, it kind of reminds me of when Derrick Rose got signed by the T-Wolves. Oh, All Lord. the T-Wolves fans. Right, hey, come on. Leave my man alone. I'm just bringing it up for a minute. I mean, when Derrick Rose was signed by the T-Wolves, all the, I had a lot of T-Wolves fans I saw talking about it's going to take time away from Tyus Jones and all that. And because he's a younger player, you bring in a veteran with Thibodeau, and he's gonna, if Thibodeau thinks that Rose gives him a better chance, like when immediately they're going to like take the minutes away from the younger guy. Which that's the about as far as my comparison goes, and I feel like that's kind of some of the worries for Pistons fans that you know Luke had a good rookie year and we're ready to see more from him this year, and now what if Casey ends up playing Galloway like way more than Kennard and ends up stop or like stunting his growth as a player? I think that's probably the biggest worry. But I agree with you. I think the three guard lineups are going to be used, and I think there's plenty of room for both of them. And I definitely would prefer Luke 
game the chunk of the time. But like I said, the three-guard lineups will be useful. And I, I don't think that, at least as of now, the season hasn't even started. But I guess we'll see at least a little bit of it tonight. Um, now, I know Joe, I, I, Joe was just so disgusted with me for bringing up Derrick Rose. No, no, no. I actually, I think that's a really good comparison but it's a good comparison for exactly why people should be worried about this sort of thing. Yeah. Because Tyus Jones is better than Derrick Rose. I don't want to hear this. And, I just don't want to hear it. Okay, so this is the point, right? I'm not actually a huge believer in this idea that guys can't develop if they're not playing in NBA games. Um, I actually often am like, you know, they're still with the team, they're still practicing and such. Like, everyone says that, that, you know, and there's plenty of examples of guys who they don't play a lot, but they still get better and they develop. My thing is, I think Luke Kennard is better than Langston Galloway. Yeah, I agree. But I'm worried that Dwayne Casey is going to play Galloway over Kennard just because Casey has... And, you know, I Stan Van Gundy oftentimes had the same thing. If Dwayne Casey is a sort of coach that, if he has the option between playing an all-defense guy or an all-offense guy, right, just as an extreme example, he's going to pick the all-defense guy almost every single time. And, you know, if he was able to, he would play Andre Robertson and Stanley Johnson on the floor at the same time, you know? That's just the sort of coach that Dwayne Casey has been, at least. Maybe, you know, a lot of people are like, well, he's going to be different now, so I'm maybe he will be. But, you know, so that's the example where it actually is a good comparison because Tyus Jones, you can just, you're just going to have to deal with this for a second, Koo, because you brought him up. I would, I didn't bring him up. Tyus Jones is better than Derrick Rose's. Tyus Jones is a better defender. He's a better shooter. He is just better than Derrick Rose's. But Tom Thibodeau played Derrick Rose anyways because he's like, well, he's Derrick Rose and this is my guy. And that's why it's a worry to me because it's like it's not. I'm not even so much on the well. Luke Kennard needs minutes to, to 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 get better as a player. Like I mean, he's gonna be playing one way or another. Like so, I'm not actually that worried about that. My thing is, I think Luke Kennard is better than Langston Galloway. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be, and another worry. Now, I'm we're both pretty big believers in Stanley Johnson, so mm-hmm. this isn't as much of a worry, but. Like, if Stanley Johnson shoots like he did last year and in general plays offense like he did last year, um, it's going to be a problem for them. And especially if Glenn Robinson plays the way that we think he's going to, um, I'm not as bullish on him as some people, but he's pr- there's a very good chance that Glenn Robinson is a much better offense player. But I am worried that... I think he already showed in the preseason that he might just be right off the bat now, but... The yeah. hope is that Stanley improves. Yeah, obviously. He has improved. And Stanley's defense, I'm, you know, I suppose we can, we'll talk about this more in a second. We'll use this as our segue into yeah. the larger rotation. But um, Stanley's defense, just with the makeup of the rest of the roster, and in particular with the starting lineup, um, his defense is hugely valuable because they don't really have any other guys that are um, defense first. Andre Drummond's a very good defender, but, you know, I'm, Stanley Johnson's defense is hugely valuable to the starting lineup. but So I'm a little worried about that Dwayne Casey will be very hesitant to pull the plug on Stanley as a starter, um, even if it becomes fairly obvious. It's like, just play Glenn Robinson. Stanley can't shoot at all. No one's guarding him, etc., etc. And, you know, even though it would be a drop-off on defense from Stanley to Glenn Robinson, 
um, Glenn is a good enough defender that they'll survive, you know? So I'm a little, that is one of my worries. And it was a th- problem with Stan Van Gundy as well, is that he has a tendency to just say, well, we got to defend, we got to defend and spend too much time worrying about how they're going to play defense and not enough time worrying about how on earth they're going to score. And so, yeah, so that's, that's kind of what I'm worried about with Galloway versus Kennard is that it's, I'm not actually so worried about, well, we're going to stunt Kennard's growth. I think that's largely a load of crap, quite frankly, especially in this case, because Kennard's going to play one way or another. Um, mm-hmm. my, so basically here's what my biggest worry would be is that if Reggie Bullock gets hurt, okay, even if it's only for a short amount of time, Luke Kennard better be starting. I think Luke Kennard is just, he's better by a wide enough margin that I absolutely think that he should start if that becomes the case. Because if Reggie Bullock stays healthy, then they're going to do plenty of three-guard lineups, and even, you know, whoever's ahead of the other in the rotation is going to be mostly just, you know, that's that's just, well, technically he's in front, but they're both going to play. But if one of them has to start, then it's going to be a difference. And at that point, I want the better player on the floor, and I think that Luke Kennard is a better player. So, yeah, but we could just sort of use that as our segue into the next bit, which is yeah. just sort of um, what do you think the general rotation is going to be and some sort of lineup combinations that you expect to see and such. So you can start off with that, take it away. All right, well, obviously, we I believe we already know what the starting lineup's going to be. It may not happen tonight because I know Stanley's questionable because of the toe injury he has. But Kate already has made it known that the starting lineup's going to be Reggie Jackson, Bullock, Stanley, Blake, and Drake. And before the season, I wanted, I wanted Luke Kennard and Stanley simply because that's just why I would have wanted to see. But Bullock, Bullock obviously deserves it. He should be there. And, of course, I want Stanley to start. So I have no problem with the starting line. I expect that to be our starting line for at least a good chunk of the game to start off the season. And then, of course, you have, you're going to have Ish as the backup point guard. You got Luke and Galloway, who earned playing throughout the preseason. And as much as it pains me to say this, I'm still with my floaties. Uh, <laughs> Henry, Henry, <laughs> it doesn't look like Henry might be in this th- this this rotation to start off the season. So I think we're going to see Ish, Langston, Luke, uh, Glenn Robinson. And I think we're going to see a lot of either GR3, Glenn Robinson, or uh, Stanley at four. And then they're just going to rotate Blake and Drake uh, at center. And then they're probably going to find, I don't want to, I don't want to say this. I really don't like the guy. John Luer, if he's healthy, will probably play some of the backup center minutes. And that will probably be the lineup. I really would, I mean, I mean the other option is Zaza. And as much as I don't like Lure, then I really don't like Zaza either. So I think it will be Lure. He'll get some backup center minutes. But I think they're going to stagger Blake and Blake and Dre quite a few. And then just play Stanley and GR3 at the four. And then we can bust out that three-guard lineup in, uh, in the backup unit. Yeah, well, I mean, the backup big minutes at the 4 and 5, those are really where the questions are because, and as you said, now there's some question as to whether it'll be Stanley or Glenn Robinson at the 3 spot in the starting lineup. Um, I think the other 4 spots are, unless something drastic changes, those are pretty well locked up. Um, Reggie Bullock is pretty clearly their best wing player right now, um, heading into the season at the very least. 
And then once again, like we talked about for a while just before this, um, he likes three-guard lineups, so whoever is nominally ahead in the rotation, both Kennard and Galloway are going to get minutes. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if, just because of the amount of sort of talking up that people in the organization gave Henry Ellenson this offseason, um, I would not be shocked if Henry Ellenson still got a chance to be in the rotation at the start of the season. Um, just once again, they pretty clearly put some, they put some serious stock in hoping that he was going to work out this year. Uh, it may well be that between summer league and preseason, Dwayne Cage is like, yep, we wanted to believe in this dude, but just it's not happening. But I wouldn't be shocked if he got some minutes still early in the season. Um, and clearly they have some confidence that they will be able to go small. Um, one thing is that I actually would guess we're not going to see too much of Blake at center. I would guess that the backup center minutes are probably going to mostly be John Lure. Um, that's kind of what that's, I... That's shocking because I know you're, uh, you've been a proponent for the, back, the Blake at center. What makes, you, what, what makes you think that we're not going to see that? Well, I think we will see it. Just, I think that it's not... At least not, early. Yeah. I, no, not even necessarily just early. I think that we will see it throughout the season. But I would just be surprised if that was sort of the default mode for them. Um, okay. Part of it is just the fact that you don't want to overburden Blake. Um, and so, and then the other thing is that the reality is, now, if Glenn Robinson and or Stanley Johnson end up really working well as small ball fours, this may change. But... One of the reasons last year that I was so in favor of it is that when you have Anthony Tolliver as your backup power forward, um, there's a very obvious successful lineup that, you know, keep them sort of keep Andre and Blake, you know, split them up for a certain amount of the game because, you know, Anthony Tolliver is such a clean fit with both of them because he provides so much spacing and is also a good defender. So, you know, it just, it was it was obvious that it's like, okay, you want to keep this guy on the floor quite a bit. Um, once again, maybe someone, maybe Robinson or Johnson or, you know, maybe even Henry Allenson, I'm not ready to totally give up yet, will play well enough that they'd be in a situation where it's like, okay, we want to play this power four, you know, a real stretch four quite a bit. Um, because And that would make sense. Maybe that will happen, but... You know, as it stands now, they don't have a guy like Anthony Tolliver who's going to be such an obvious fit that, you know, you want to play him a lot. So, yeah. And then the other thing is that you don't want to overburden Blake. Um, if you start playing him all the backup center minutes, then next thing you know, he may be playing like 35 minutes a night, which is probably too much for him, at least all regular season. Um, and then the main thing, though, is that as stated before, Dwayne Casey really cares about defense. And even though at certain times at least, Blake Griffin at center has blitzed opponents on offense. It has looked good sometimes on offense. He has pretty much never looked any good on defense at center. Um, and now part of that is just because Blake is not a very good defender, just, you know, by any... Uh, he, he has probably one of the worst one of the worst closeouts on the team. Oh, yeah, but he's a terrible... Like, his closeouts are either, one, just, like, slow getting there, or he does, like, some pick-up ball stuff when you, like, snap at his person's, like, knee on your way out. And, 
Like, it's just probably one of the worst closeouts on the team I give you. Yeah, so, but he's particularly looked, I once again, it's a small sample size, but he's looked, like, extra bad when he's played center. So I just think that Casey will be hesitant to do that in large doses just because of that, because once again, he's a guy who really emphasizes defense. Um, he's somewhat famous as that when people ask, you know, what position can this guy play or that guy play, he always says, "You, the position you play is the position you can guard. And I'm not sure that he believes, and probably rightfully so, for what it's worth, that Blake Griffin can guard at center for, you know, regularly. So I think there will be times. So which, yeah. so which one? Who are you, who are you going with? You going? You think Lure or Zaza? I, I think they're going to play Lure. Um, okay. And he, I'm not sure if he, because he was on a minutes restriction in the preseason, but he did play some. So I'm not sure if he'll still be on some sort of a minutes restriction or anything like that. But the reality is he'd be coming he off played? the bench. Lure played in the, in the preseason? <laughs> you missed that? I, I, I don't ever remember seeing him out there. Yeah, yeah, he played. Here, I, I can bring up the stats to tell you exactly how much he played. Oh, no, yeah. You know what? I, I think I, I, I don't know. Did he shoot? Did he take a jumper? Yeah, he took a corner three and he missed. Yeah, the corner. And, yeah, okay, I remember. <laughs> it was just terrible seeing it, yep. Yeah, yeah. I remember now. That's all I need so, to remember. Yeah, so I don't know if he'll still be on some sort of a minutes restriction, but the reality is if you're coming off the bench, um, a minutes restriction is not that big of a worry. Yeah, he only played in one yeah. game. He only played a couple minutes. So I'm not sure if that means that he'll be fully ready for the start of the season. Um, but that's what my my guess is that he's going to get the bulk of the backup center minutes. Um, and then, once again, I would probably think that they're going to give Ellenson a shot at some point, just because they spent so much time talking him up that I kind of have to believe that they're planning on at least giving him a try. But, I mean, you know, if we're being honest about the situation, uh, odds are not good that he's going to make that actually work out. (laughs) No need for honesty. Just keep it. Keep it all. Yeah, no. I mean, we talked about it last week. I truthfully, I'm not just, I'm not just like, completely joking when I say I still see a useful NBA player in him. Um, like, I'm not completely talking out of my rear there. I do see that. Just It's just, it, I, it's just there's not a whole lot of hope that he's going to, that it's going to happen for him. But, you know, I'm, I, f- I really have, o- I've really wanted to see Stanley Johnson as a small ball four um, since he came into the league. So I'm excited for that prospect. And then Glenn Robinson, even though he hasn't played it at all on the pros, he at when he was at Michigan, um, quite frankly, he played more power forward than he did anywhere else, which was actually somewhat of a sore spot for him at times because he's like, yo, coach, this isn't what I'm going to be playing in the NBA, but I keep having to play here. But, you know, he so they both, I think I, I like the potential for them there, but I'm and we touched on this yesterday which is that just the idea that you're going to have to rely on minutes from someone at a position where you don't know if that's going to work out well or not. Um, that's always a little bit scary, but that's a thing that's worthwhile. So um, I yeah, think the starting lineup is going to be set. They're going to roll with Stanley Johnson. And also, for what it's worth, I'm going to go on, on a limb, and I'm going to say Stanley Johnson's going to play tonight. Um, he played in the preseason on the toe. 
He missed one game, but then he played the next one. I can't imagine. And also, one thing that you also have to consider is that Stanley has to know that there is real pressure on him that Glenn Robinson can take that starting job. That's and, what I was about when I heard about this, because it's like, I think that Casey would, I don't want to get too excited over it, but like, I don't think Casey would like go out and just not start him after saying that this would probably be the start. But if Glenn Robinson were to come out tonight and start because Stanley can't play and our offense looks like amazing, then there would be like extreme pressure on Stanley oh, to show yeah. that, hey, off to a point of just being bad just because I'm there now. So yeah. I hope he plays tonight. Yeah, well, I yeah, that's exactly the point. And I could 100% see a situation where Let's say this toe were to keep Stanley out like the first three games of the year so Glenn Robinson starts and the starting lineup is awesome. Guess what? Dwayne Casey's going to keep that starting lineup. He's Stanley, that, that's that. Like, that's over. Um, so I'm just going to say Stanley Johnson is playing tonight. I can't. I'm just, he played in the last preseason game. Um, he has to be fully aware of the pressure on him. Um, so I, I've been, I've kind of gone, continued to go back and forth on Stanley starting versus coming off the bench because, um, you know, obviously part of it is that his own issues make him not that effective a starter sometimes. Um, but also part of it is that, you know, there's an extent to which I like the dynamic of him off the bench because he gets the ball more, but regardless, just for his sake, obviously I'm sure he wants to start. So I can't imagine he's going to let, you know, I can't imagine he's going to let that opportunity pass. I think he's going to play tonight, um, which, yeah, so do I. you know, so, you know, we can use that as a transition into the, we'll skip the main thing we're watching for. We could do that another time. Um, and we'll All transition right. right into tonight's game versus the Nets. Um, sort of, obviously I'll have my preview post going up. I'll do that probably right after we're done here. But you know what are you what are you looking for tonight? Uh, I mean, we pretty much just talked about it. I mean, if you're talking to me and you've read any of my pieces for Piston Power, or you followed me on Twitter and seen what I tweet about, it's gonna be Stanley Johnson. Almost my answer is gonna be Stanley Johnson. I want to see Stanley play. I want to see him play well. Um, we've had a disagreement about, especially after like the first preseason game, about how he was being used. You thought that it was just. You know, he's just making shots, so of course that's going to look better. But, you know, I just feel like that he was, in the, especially in the first preseason game, he had the ball in his hands more, I thought. And that's where he succeeds, at least, in my opinion. And, you know, I'm looking forward to him. I hope he has the ball more. I, I really want to see him in the pick and roll because, really, if you, if you just watch him in the pick and roll, he's going to give you at least, like, two passes a night when you're just like, wow, how the hell, where the hell did that come from? Because he's a, I think he's a really good passer. I, I mean, that's the, I think he's a good passer. So I, that's what I'm looking forward to. I hope Stanley goes out there tonight, plays well, shows everybody why he should be the starter, and you know, starts to prove everybody wrong out there. I also am looking forward to Reggie Jackson, of course, because you know the injury history. I want to see how he's looking the first game of the season. So I, and with you know him. Reggie, Blake, and Dre haven't had so much time together, so it's going to be fun to see that and see how that works together. But mainly, I'm just looking forward to seeing how Stanley plays out there tonight with the starting group, and hopefully he fits and 
and you know he he made a new jump shot. His jump shot looks different. I mean, the the results may not pan out, but he did change the jump shot. It's more of a set shot now. It has a little more of art. So you know maybe let's see if that pans out. But yeah, that's all I'm looking in like the first game. Okay, so once again, full disclosure. I'm a big Stanley Johnson fan. I believe in the guy. Not as big as me. I really, I'm, yeah, I'm, not as big as you, but I really like Stanley big. Johnson. I'm Stanley Johnson's number one. Brian Windhorst. <laughs> okay, so just because you brought it up, right? <laughs> the preseason stuff. Okay, have you have, do you have you seen what Stanley Johnson's? Now, obviously, it's small sample size, but four games, thirty-one minutes per game. Did you see what Stanley Johnson's shooting splits were in the preseason? Oh, I too? know. He struggled after the, I, he he struggled shot, after the first game. He shot four games, 31 minutes per game. Over 100 minutes. 25.6% from the field. And 27.3% from three. And remember, he shot pretty well in the first game. Yeah, he did. So well, he had, and then he also had one game when it was like I think he went like what was it like one for eleven, one for twelve well, or something. You see, here's the thing, Koo. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> right. Last year, remember he had that like zero for thirteen game at this in the first game of the year, and then he played Best pretty well for a while. Okay. Yep. Um. And I was one of the biggest proponents early in the year of, you know, if you take out that game, he's actually shooting pretty well, so he just had a bad start. Here's the problem, though, okay? It ends up not being just that one game. You can't just have a guy who once every, you know, five or six games is going to go 0 for 14 and sink (laughs) your offense. I mean, once again, I'm a big believer in Stanley Johnson. I think that his defense is hugely valuable. I want him. It's a, it's a new year. The new jumper may may the new jumper may turn out to work. I'm not sure. I believe you on that. His jumper looks pretty similar. I'm gonna be honest. Now I see more of a set shot. I mean, I mean, he had a couple. I mean, he goes. I mean, part of the problem, Casey did say, is that he falls back to his habits sometimes. But I saw a concerted effort to be more of a set shot with more art. Hmm. I don't know. I kind of. I feel like his you shot know, is pretty. Everyone similar. who watches this, let us let let us know. Do you see a different a difference in Stanley's shot? Just let let us know because I believe I see one. I saw like a major difference because he's not jumping as much. I'm but definitely I'm definitely feeling like his shot is pretty much the same. But okay, here's basically the point though. Okay, is that once again I'm a big believer in Stanley Johnson. I love that guy. There are a few people in this league that I want to see really bust out and work out like I do Stanley Johnson, okay? Here's the thing, though. People say, I, you know, people like you, they're like, oh, he just needs to be used right. That's, that's not that he was used incorrectly. That's utter craps. They put him in, they put him in so many different situations. Do you want to know why Stanley Johnson hasn't worked out so far? Stanley Johnson hasn't worked out because he can't put the ball in the damn basket. That's why. Literally, like when you look at his synergy chart, every single every single situation <laughs> is either below average or poor. There's literally I'm last year there was um someone got a screenshot or a picture of Stan Van Gundy coaching on the sideline and he had his play slips. 
And Stanley Johnson was one of like three guys who had an entire section of plays just for him on the play. And, slate, see, okay? and the caption told, that someone said, okay, and the thing that someone, to believe it, and the thing that someone said is, look at that play slip. Stan Van Gundy <laughs> wants Stanley to figure it out just as much as everyone else does. And it's the truth. They've tried so many different ways to find ways to get Stanley Johnson to succeed. They gave him more ball handling opportunities as a starter last year than someone of his caliber had any right to have, quite frankly. And it's just that he just hasn't been able to put the ball in the basket. I hope he does. I want to see this happen so badly. Um, But just that's the reality. There's not going to be some magical, oh, well, now he's being put in better situations. If you can't put the ball in the basket, there is no situation where it's going to work out. He's a below-average finisher. He's a bad shooter. You know, like, (laughs) there is literally no spot on the floor, no situation where he's even close to being good at making the ball go in the basket. And once he can find at least one spot or one thing where he's good at, then we have something to work with. But until then, it's going to be a moot point. So, once again, I believe in the dude. I think he's going to do it, quite frankly. I think he's going to find something. I just, there's too much potential there. I think he's going to find at least one thing. I don't know, maybe it'll be that sort of mid-range pull-up he likes. Maybe he'll finally start to finish better at the hoop. I don't know. I think he will find a thing. But let's be abundantly clear about it. It's his own fault. He needs to put the ball in the basket. We can can agree to disagree, but go ahead. Um, Go ahead. What are you looking for tonight, Joe? What what are you looking for tonight? um, The main thing I'm going to watch for is probably going to be probably the sort of what the distribution of um, the offense is. Because, like you said, we haven't seen a lot of Reggie Jackson and Blake Griffin together. Um, and so I'm going to be interested to see, obviously there, it'll be less rigid than it was with Stan Van Gundy. Stan Van Gundy liked to call plays every time down the court. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the split is between Reggie Jackson running pick and rolls with Andre, um, Blake Griffin doing a two-man game with Reggie Bullock. How much does Andre Drummond get to sort of do his point center thing? Um, you know, I mean, so they're going to shoot threes. Yeah, well, I'm, well, I'm actually not worried about that at all. I'm really encouraged by, this is going to take us over time, but whatever. Um, we're actually already a little bit over time, but that's okay, whatever. It's opening night. Who cares? Um, opening night, let's get tea. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really, really encouraged by Andre Drummond's three-point shooting, even though he missed, literally, he missed every one he took in preseason, didn't he? <laughs> he didn't hit any of them? I don't think he hit any of them. No, he did. He was 0 for 11. Yeah, he hit. He he did hit a couple of jumpers, but they were those sort of step backs from like 15 feet, um, yeah. which you know that's uh, whatever. But once again, my biggest concern coming into the season was not, um, you know, it was not well. How many threes are Andre Drummond going to take? My concern was how many plays is Andre Drummond going to spend loitering outside the three point line instead of being inside going for rebounds and stuff. And guess what? There has not been a single play where he's just stood outside as a spot-up shooter. Every three he's taken has sort of been, oh, look, I've got the ball out here and no one's guarding me, so I'm going to shoot it. And if that's the case, I'm not worried about it at all. Obviously, he'll have to hit some at some point for it to be worthwhile. Yeah. Like, obviously, if it's 
if we're a month into the season and he's missed eight, you know, <laughs> he's missed every three he's taken, then they <laughs> probably want to rethink this. But I mean, even if he only hits like 33%, then I don't care. I'm totally, I'm not worried at all about it. Un- unless the moment that there starts to be possessions where he's just standing outside like a glo- like a really crappy version of Channing Fry or something. It's just he's just standing there and he's just acting as a spot up shooter. As long as that continues to not happen, I'm not worried about his threes. So yeah, so I'm mostly interested to see how the offense ends up being split up. And one big thing is that, you know, it's always tough to tell with play calling in the preseason because um, obviously it's like they didn't run a lot of pick and rolls with Reggie Jackson, and Andre Drummond. There's a reason for that. We know how that works. There's no reason to go, okay, well, it's, you know, I mean, <laughs> we, they don't need any reps on that or anything like that. Um, but one thing is that they, I, I could be wrong about this misremembering, but by my unofficial count, I'm not sure that Blake Griffin ran a pick and roll with Andre once all in the preseason. He- uh, I I believe he did it once. Okay. I remember last tweeting. Oh look, we, it, I, actually it might not have been a prototypical pick and roll, but it was like sort of kind of one. I remember last tweeting about it saying we sort of just got a Blake and Dre pick and roll. But yeah, you're right. If if we did, it was once. Well, yeah. So here's kind of okay. So. I have been on record many, several times of not being a particularly big fan of Dwayne Casey. And my biggest issue with him is that not a very creative offensive mind, okay? He does have some strong points as a coach. Everyone likes him. Like, there's no denying that. Guys like him. Guys want to play for him. His teams are fundamentally sound, etc., etc. I'm not saying that he's some useless coach, but not like some super bright offensive mind. In preseason, once again, I don't want to overstate it. I want to see it tonight. But in preseason, they use Blake Griffin as though Blake Griffin is just a good power forward. That's not how I want to see Blake Griffin used. I want Blake Griffin to be used as a ball handler who happens to be massive. That's what I want to see Blake Griffin used as. There were basically, there were not many times where Blake Griffin brought up the ball and initiated the offense. Um, He didn't like... He didn't handle the ball on the outside a lot. They did run some two-man game with Reggie Bullock, which is good. And also, I mean, obviously, that was a great thing for them last year at the end of last season. So they'd be stupid to not do more of that. But so, once again, maybe it's just because, you know, not unlike the fact that they didn't run a ton of pick and rolls with Reggie Jackson, they may well just be like, look, we know Blake can do this. We're going to work on a few specific things in the preseason. But that's one thing that I'm going to be really watching for in this first game is that, you know, I want to see Blake put in, used more as just a ball handler, not just, well, he's a power forward who's a good scorer and passer. I want to see him used as basically, you know, a huge point guard for significant stretches. So, yeah, I'm just... Yeah, I agree with you. So, we saw a little bit more of that, I believe, like in the last preseason game when he, like, was well, tormenting. Well, he, you see, once again, I, hey, once again, just to be clear about this, and I've said this before, is that if the Pistons stay healthy, I think that they're talented enough that even though Dwayne Casey may not have the most creative offense in the world and offensive ideas, if they stay healthy, I honestly think that they're talented enough that it's going to be fine. So that's one of my main consolations of why I'm not like complete, why I didn't completely panic about Dwayne Casey is that it's like, you know what? 
If they stay healthy, they don't need a super creative offense. Blake Griffin is going to mash people in the post. Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson are going to run a thousand pick and rolls every game, and they're awesome at it. You know, they've got some shooters, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I'm not like super terrified of this, but so like in that Cavs game, Blake Griffin scored a ton of points because the Cavs were trying to guard him with David Nwaba and Rodney Hood, <laughs> and Blake Griffin was all like, "Oh, look at that!" And he, you know, as Shaquille O'Neal would say, "Barbecue chicken, Ernie." Barbecue chicken. Yeah. And he just mashed them in the post. And that's fine with me. I hope we see lots of Blake Griffin just... just made them all his kids. Yeah, Blake Griffin's going to be having a lot of mashed potatoes in the post this year. Especially if teams keep up with... Continue the trend of switching a ton. (laughs) Blake Griffin's going to have a good time if teams switch a ton on him. Because he's going to end up being guarded by... All all it's going to take is, all right, well, Reggie... I do two-man game with Reggie Bullock a bunch. So, you know... (laughs) I'm okay with shooting guards switching on to Blake Griffin and having him just bully them in the post. That's completely okay with me. But let's be clear, that's mostly how that was. They were not using him as a primary ball handler. They are using him as a power forward, essentially, which isn't the worst thing in the world. Just I think if you want to maximize Blake Griffin, which, considering his contract, you really kind of you have to maximize him. Right. Not even the contract, just the level of player he is. and the Yeah, well, okay. So if you get the most out of Blake Griffin, he's good enough to be close, at least, to being worth that contract. I think if you use him as just, well, he's just a really good power forward, then you're definitely not getting the value out of that. So that's sort of the point. So basically, I just I hope that they use him more as a ball handler. Um, so once again, I'm not panicked about this. It's just preseason. Um, but that's one of the main things I'm going to be watching for. Um, and then also, obviously, what the rotation at the back at big minutes are going to be. Um, when, at the very least, when they're confident John Luer is healthy enough, he's going to play at those minutes. Um, so if he, doesn't, like if he doesn't play at all in this game, then that just means they decide he's not quite ready to go yet. Um, so, but, you know, I mean, Zaza is... He's not good, but... Zaza. Yeah, I mean, he's not good, but he'll be okay, I think. He'll be a couple people um, out in a couple seasons. Yeah, my main thing is I'm worried about how much he's got left in the tank. Um, so I'm mostly I'm worried that if he has to... Because this actually happened... If you remember, this was, what, three years ago? Oh, my gosh, that was three years ago already, when he was with Dallas. Um, and out the gate, he was starting, and he was playing really, really well, and they are like, oh my gosh, Zaza Pachulia is awesome. And then as the season went on, it was like, he just sort of started to break down, and he couldn't do it, because he's old, and that's, and he's, you know, Zaza's not exactly some, like, phenom athlete in the first place. So, I'm worried about how much he has in the tank, if they start to play him significant minutes, but, I mean, he turns the ball over a lot, he can't jump over a phone book, Um, but he set, he sets hard screens. Um, he's typically going to be in the right place on defense. Um, he can, he's not a terrible passer for a big, um, he's got a little jumper he can use. He can finish a bit around the rim. Um, he is objectively like he is a clown. Like he flops gratuitously. He's always getting in scraps with people. Um, and I will continue to maintain that I honestly would have rather just kept Eric Moreland. But Zaza will be fine. My main worry with Zaza is that um, if they end up trying to play him too much, I'm worried about him sort of holding up over the course of the season. But, yeah, he'll be fine, though. Um, 
if they play Henry Ellenson, I'm still on the ship. I'm holding on. Um, but we'll see how that goes. So, yeah, the main thing I'm interested in, though, is what the sort of distribution of the offense is among the starters and sort of yeah. how many possessions, you know, each guy gets to sort of do their thing, um, how much motion there is in the offense versus how dependent it is on, you know, just running pick and rolls and just having Blake post people up. Um, and it'll be, that's going to be one of the tricks for them is finding the balance there. Cause obviously motion and passing is good for your offense and it does good things, but you still want to let Reggie Jackson run pick and rolls. You know, I mean, that's a strength of your offense. You still want to let Blake Griffin mash point guards on the, in the post when he gets switches. So, um, sort of finding the balance between doing the whole motion offense thing and, um, and letting guys just do their thing is going to be that's going to be an interesting thing but that's going to be a that's going to be a thing for Casey all season so yeah and also I mean for what it's worth just like you I'm interested to see how Stanley Johnson looks once again I'm going to assume he's going to play and then if Stanley Johnson doesn't play I'm going to be really interested to see how Glenn Robinson looks as a starter um yeah so yeah I mean we're like we're at like 50 minutes so 50 minutes of great content. Yeah, so I think that's going to be good. Um, yeah, and once again, we're going to try and do this pretty much every morning. Um, I'm sure we'll miss some at some point, but, you know, we're going to go for almost every morning. So hopefully we're back again tomorrow morning. We'll be talking about the game. Um, hopefully Yeah, so hopefully no one gets hurt because we all know someone on this <laughs> opening night is going to get devastated. Some team's going to get their season ruined, and... Let me just tell you something. Like, if on this opening night, if Reggie Jackson or Blake Griffin is carried off the court, oh my, oh, I, I am my, here. Here, my my I desk will. is wood. My desk is wood. There, my desk is wood. I knocked it. But um, <laughs> if that happens, I may just quit. Like, I'm just nope, done, done. This is this is gonna stop being a Pistons podcast. This is gonna become um. We're gonna just start reviewing cars. That's what it's gonna be. I'm not. I'm not. I can't do it again, man. I can't do another season of Reggie Jackson being hurt. Yeah. Going. If only he was healthy. That's a lie. You know, I'm a degenerate. I'll stick around no matter what. But yeah. So that's the main thing. No one get hurt, and then see how everything goes. Um, and I mean, the Nets are probably not good. So people, it is kind of funny with Spencer Dimwitty. People act like he's way better than he actually is. Because he from he went from not being that good to he, becoming kind of good. Yeah, he went from he went from he went from being not an NBA player to like okay, this is a he's a decent rotation guy, but like last year, I'm not gonna bother to bring up the numbers, but last year after people stopped paying attention to him, so like just as his sort of story started to wear off and people stopped caring, his shooting tanked completely like I think he shot like he ended up shooting at the end of the year last year I think he shot like 38% or something like that from the field um and still not a very good defender his biggest attribute is that he's he doesn't turn the ball over and that is a good attribute once again like I'm not trying to trash Spencer Dimwitty I actually was kind of disappointed that they gave up on him but let's be clear about something because people have made Particularly last year when he won the skills challenge, people were like, oh, Devin Booker won the, Devin Booker, did he win the three-point shootout last year? Uh, I'm not sure. I 
don't think I watched it. I think he did, and then Donovan Mitchell won the dunk contest, and then um, um, Spence, Spencer did. Or let yeah. go of all. Yeah, and they're, putting Spencer Dinwiddie in with that, shut up. Like, I mean, <laughs> I would like to have Spencer Dinwiddie still, but guess what? The Pistons are still collapsing the last two years without Reggie Jackson. Spencer Dinwiddie sure ain't changing that. I don't care that the Pistons gave up on a guy who scored 13 points per game really inefficiently on a terrible team. Uh-huh. Sorry, I'm not. <clears throat> I don't. I'm not worried about it. I wish they kept him. He has I liked a crazy. Spencer, he has a crazy following. So yeah, he that does. Helps him too. Like yeah. he has a. He's a good personality, so I see yeah. why. Spencer's a good player. I'm not saying Spencer's not a good player. Just, he's not nearly as good as people make it out to be. Um, Jared Allen is good. He's cool. He's going to block a lot of shots this year. I don't like how he's taking Fear the Fro. That needs to stop. That yeah. whole little hashtag yeah. Fear the Fro, let's get that out of here. Yeah, especially when you're a freaking scrawny dude like that. Like, yeah, You can't on. be trying to take Big Ben's moniker when you're like... Big Ben, take, Big ben would take your headband and put it around his arm yeah. and use it as an arm. Yeah, exactly. It might not Come even on. fit around his biceps. That dude is so ripped, man. Like that man was. So okay, that, that was a physical freak. Okay, so like, um, this will be just a little tangential thing at the end here, but so he be he's obviously he became a part owner of the Grand Rapids Drive last year, and mm-hmm. so um, I heard so, he was at like the Pistons practice, I believe, like the other day. Yeah, so last year he started showing up to drive games, and I was doing drive games. And uh, so the first day he was going to show up, so they give you, like, a stat packet and such before the game and just says who all the players are, where they went to college, you know, just the whole information packet. And yeah. um, I got mine, and she and it said, I didn't think anything of it at the time because he hadn't come into any games, but my stat packet says B. Wallace at the top of it. And she was like, you know, don't worry about that. You could just take it. I'm like, oh, okay. So I go and I sit down. And then at some point in the first quarter, this sort of entourage of people comes in and sits literally right in front of me. And then I look. I'm like, that's Ben Wallace. And then I look at my stat packet. I'm like, I have Ben Wallace's stat packet. <laughs> and so I kind of lean over to him. I'm like, hey, this is actually supposed to be yours. Do you want He's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. But, like, you know, it's funny because – He's not actually that huge of a guy. Like he's only, I you know, relatively, he's only like six nine. But like uh-huh. that, he. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of NBA former players that doesn't take very long to be like, yeah, he, he's a former player, all right. He's let himself go a little bit. Ben Wallace, that dude ain't let himself go at all. Yeah. Like <laughs> that dude. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's he's old enough that he couldn't do for very long, but if you had to put him out there and have him play 10 minutes in an NBA game, I bet you he could do it. He's in, yeah. he's kept himself in shape. So real quick, I, there was a piece I forgot. I don't know who wrote it, but there was a piece a couple of days ago talking about how, uh, how he struggled. Yeah. After retirement. Yeah. I saw that. I don't remember who wrote it either. Um, but I read it and he it talked about how, yeah, it was good. He talked about how he's still in shape. He still works out and like, that's all he like did. So like, yeah, he definitely is, uh, definitely is still in shape. Yeah. So yeah. So I just I can attest to that. That dude. There's a funny um video that the drive released where they were like, you know, so we do some pickup games among the staff and such, and we're excited to welcome Ben Wallace back in, and then you know, so it's just a bunch of like short white people playing basketball. And then out of nowhere, just Ben Wallace. Is, 
boom, just smacking the crap out of them. <laughs> Jeez, could you even imagine if you're playing pickup basketball? And, you know, this is another tangent, but so, like, it was funny because back when um, Hassan Whiteside was doing hit, was first coming out, right, and pe- some uh-huh. people were like, you know, are you disappointed that you're not making more money even though you're playing so well? And he was like, man, I was playing at the Y, like, a couple months ago. Can you imagine being playing at basketball, just pick up basketball, whether at the Y or just at some park, and freaking Hassan Whiteside were to show up? Just freaking <laughs> seven foot one month. I can't even. Imagine being at the YMCA, having someone just like dominate, and then like a week later, you're like, dude, did you hear about that guy? He's, oh, yeah. He's in the NBA. Just, I'm like, just thinking if, if a dude, if Hassan Whiteside showed up to your pickup game, I'd be so angry. I'd just be like, <laughs> what are you doing here? We're just, why are you here? We're just a bunch of little white dudes. Why are you up in this? Go away. <laughs> Go play somewhere else. You're ruining everything. Well, everybody's... Like, he probably game. just blocks the hell out of every single shot. Other than, again, he's just so, so mopey that if anyone hit a shot, I bet you he'd just stop caring. But, yeah, so... All right, that's probably gonna be it. I think that the we have we have exhausted this podcast. So, all right, um, we'll probably we'll probably talk again tomorrow. Um, we'll talk about the game and uh, go pisses tonight and stay beautiful, everybody. <laughs>